Hello, everybody. This is Alien Talk Podcast, a program where we discuss all things about aliens and UFOs and where we push the limits of our understanding. We are Joe Landry and Lori Olford, here with you as your co-hosts for a new episode. Thank you all again for joining us on this show. And for those of you tuning in for the first time, we extend a big welcome. Hey there, Lori. How's it going? It's going well, Joe. And I, th- I think we should thank all of our listeners out there for their support of the podcast, as we have now just made it past the one-year mark since we started this. That's right. The Alien Talk podcast program is now at one year. And within that time, it has picked up over 3,600 cities covering 118 countries. I know I've said this before, but Laurie, you and I have always been amazed at how far-reaching the interest is out there about this kind of subject matter. And we can see that there are quite a few folks from all over the world who are genuinely fascinated with the idea of extraterrestrial encounters happening, not only in the present day, but also as far back as biblical times. I think people really do have a legitimate curiosity about this stuff. Yeah, I don't think either one of us really expected there to be so many people out there who have the same passion as we do about understanding the ancient astronaut theory and the studies of the UFO phenomena. And we and when we started this podcast, I know we didn't think we would get such a large and diverse audience to tune in. Uh, I think the numbers that we've seen have indeed been quite a surprise to us. Yeah, for sure. And we definitely want to thank all of you, our awesome listeners, for making this show as successful as it is. Uh, you make this possible. It's your interest in these topics and your eagerness to engage in discussions about them with other people that gets the message out there. And whether or not you believe in the existence of aliens or make any kind of positive claim to the theory, I think we can all agree that it demands serious discussion, regardless of what side of the argument you may take. Right. And we all know that aliens and UFOs are public, are popular subjects with people. Uh, I mean, just look at the History Channel show Ancient Aliens. That's on its 18th season now. Uh, I think it's been running since 2009. And just like questions about the existence of God and the purpose of humanity, it is something that is definitely on the minds of a lot of people. I I think we see that all the time. In fact, I didn't tell you this, Joe, but a listener told me the other day that uh, he enjoys listening to us more so than watching ancient aliens on TV. Wow, that's quite a compliment. (laughs) Yeah, uh, the reason he said is because we take each topic and break it down so well that it becomes very convincing. So that really encouraged me, and I've been meaning to uh, pass that on to you. And, and and no offense to those guys on the History Channel. They they are all extremely intelligent people. Uh, we don't think we can really compare ourselves to them, you know, <laughs> just, just trying to stay humble here. <laughs> yeah, that is some big shoes to fill. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely is. So, yeah, uh, thank you to all uh, for your support this past year. Yeah, we really do appreciate it and look forward to continuing to bring you thought-provoking and intriguing dialogues about the wonders of science, religion, and history, and of course, the possibility that alien life has been a part of it. So yes, a big thank you to all of you who have been downloading our podcast. And with that, we get into today's topic, which is another one that may be considered a little obscure if you are not already into ufology and conspiracy theories, and that is the BKS. Uh, That doesn't stand for Burger King Sandwich, no. (laughs) Uh, BKS is Black Knight Satellite, and it is supposedly an unidentified object that orbits the Earth. Uh, Sightings of it and any evidence of it are scanty at best. 
although there are a few remarkable photographs of it uh, actually taken not too long ago on the space shuttle Endeavour. Right. Uh, The most renowned images are from the STS-88, in which astronauts Jim Newman and Jerry Ross on board Space Shuttle Endeavour has seen a large and uh, amorphous uh, aircraft-looking object, and the photos of it are rather striking. Uh, It was during the first shuttle docking mission to the International Space Station in December of 1998, and the two astronauts caught a glimpse of it while they're conducting their uh, spacewalk. Uh, Another crew member inside the Endeavour was able to get some good pictures of its distance above the Earth. So like you said, some are spectacular shots, and at least upon first glance, the thing looks like a Klingon warship from Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) It truly does. Now, most experts who have looked at the pictures of the object, um, skeptics and whatnot, seem to almost unanimously agree that it is a piece of debris, uh, most likely from the very spacewalk by Newman and Ross. Uh, According to astronomical historian James Oberg, who published a PowerPoint presentation on STS-88 back on October 21st, 2014, and in it he was actually saying it is most likely a thermal blanket that could have been dislodged while they were trying to install it on the payload module while the shuttle was docked with the ISS. And of course, that is the official explanation by both NASA and NORAD. Well, this space shuttle mission in 1998 wasn't the first time the Black Knight satellite was claimed to have been seen. Uh, Gordon Cooper, who flew Mercury 9 in 1963, had publicly stated on quite a few occasions that he had seen UFOs uh, not only in space, but in the air when he was a military pilot. Uh, He is said to have seen green lights on an object up there that he thought was the Black Knight satellite. However, in typical NASA fashion, his account was dismissed as the encounter being attributed to something else. In this case, they blamed it on there being too much carbon dioxide buildup in his brain while in a spacesuit. Well, I I mean, they will just about make up anything they can to explain away something that they don't want the public to know about what it actually is. Yeah, and it is not clear exactly how the name Black Knight Satellite originated or who coined it, but it seems likely that it's somehow derived from the name of a ballistic missile that was developed by the UK back in the 1950s. At the time, there was a project that the British Ministry of Defense was working on called Blue Streak, and it was a system of land-based missiles with intermediate range. Its purpose was a deterrence against Soviet nuclear attack, and it was eventually scrapped. <clears throat> it, was, it was eventually scrapped in favor of the Skybolt system uh, that was employed by the U.S. to be stationed in England. Uh, these missiles were air-launched from B-52 strategic bombers and were less susceptible to being a quick target like land-based sites were. Uh, anyway, the rockets used to test the reentry vehicles for Blue Streak were called Black Knights. However, they never carried payloads in the space. And according to Martina Redpath with the Armagh Planetarium in Ireland, they have nothing to do with the legend of the Black Knight satellite. You know, that reminds me of the Independence Day movie. Wasn't the first fighter squadron to attack the spaceships called the Black Knights? Hey, that's right. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I I believe there is also a real U.S. Uh, Marine Corps squadron of F-35Cs named the Black Knights. And they're stationed out in Miramar, California. But but back to what you were just saying, it was in February of 1960, uh, Time Magazine reported that U.S. 
Navy radar in Hawaii picked up a dark object that seemed to be tumbling closer to Earth, like it was falling out of a polar orbit. Now, based on the findings of Brian Dunning, he's a writer of such works as Hair Bee Dragons and Principles of Curiosity, that this was at first thought to be a Russian spy satellite and was then realized to be the remnant of the American satellite Discoverer 8 launched just three months prior. However, it was its extremely eccentric orbit with a high apogee that uh, made it unusual, uh, at least for that early time in U.S. and Soviet space programs, and neither country actually admitted to owning it. Yeah, and Dunning's webpage, Skeptoid.com, goes on to say in a brief discourse that other newspapers were putting out columns about something in orbit that wasn't American or Russian, but someone else's. Now, this could very well have been something in the way of propaganda, with um, either side trying to gaslight the other. And as it turns out, there was a top-secret program run by the CIA called Corona that went from 1959 to 1972, and it was designed to send spy satellites into orbit. Discover 8 was one of them. Uh, these actually were equipped with film cameras, and they would return to Earth after reconnaissance photos were taken of the USSR and East Asia. But the idea of it being, quote-unquote, someone else's, also plays very well on the belief back then in the upper echelons of government that there were indeed alien spacecraft traveling around and high above the Earth. Remember, this was the time of Project Blue Book, the Roswell incident and the construction of Area 51, and the reports of all kinds of UFO sightings and close encounters. We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, and welcome to Hiss and Tell, a cat podcast where we delve deep into the fascinating world of feline behavior with your host, me, Christina Wilson, a professional animal behaviorist. Each episode features insightful discussions with leading veterinarians, dedicated researchers and scientists, experts in cat behavior and training, and so much more. Join me as we decode the complexities of pet loss, unravel the mysteries of feline health and behavior, and discover the latest research findings. I'll meet you at Hiss and Tell. So then you have to wonder if an official statement of some kind comes out that the thing isn't ours, that there were some guys at the top who truly meant just what they said about that. Uh, I, I think what's most interesting about the, the uh, Black Knight satellite is that there are some accounts of it being detected long before there was any space program. Like you said, Joe, we don't really know where the whole legend started, but it seems to have been with us for about 80 years now. Uh, it was around that time that uh, anomalous signals were being picked up by ham radio operators all around the world. And really, no one had any good explanation for them. Now, some thought they were just long waves reflecting off the ionosphere, but uh, the calculated time delay was different. It was like the signals were actually being transmitted from directly overhead. And we also have a professor at the University of New Mexico in 1953, according to a write-up on Gaia.com, dated October 19, 2019, saying he saw a blip of unknown origin uh, through his telescope. And this would have been during a time when there was almost a frenzy of UFO sightings. So if this guy went public about this uh, quote-unquote blip, in this telescope, uh, government officials would have been quick to downplay it. I think even the university officials would have been quick to put a lid on that. Um, but then we have Nikola Tesla, 
uh, the guy whose name has become synonymous with radical ingenuity. Uh, you know, way back in 1899, when radio was extremely rudimentary, he claimed to have picked up signals in his laboratory from something that he had never heard before and that he believed it did not originate from Earth. Uh, these signals are thought to have been like beeps or chirps and probably something like Morse code. Uh, voice transmissions weren't sent over radio until around the time of World War I. So we don't know exactly what Tesla was hearing when he heard these sounds on his radio receiver, but he believed them to have come from Mars, as he noted that they would fade uh, when the planet Mars would go below the horizon. Yeah, he believed it wasn't uh, so much Morse code, but rather a distinctive numeric code that was yet to be deciphered. Uh, he went on to say, uh, and this is his quote, I have a deep conviction that highly intelligent beings exist on Mars. While experimenting in Colorado, I obtained extraordinary experimental evidence of the existence of life on Mars. I had perfected a wireless receiver of extraordinary sensitiveness far beyond anything known, and I caught signals which I interpreted as meaning one, two, three, four. Uh, I believe the Martians use these numbers for communication through numbers is universal. So he never actually said anything about a satellite in orbit, but some ufologists today think what he was actually receiving were intelligent transmissions, not from Mars, but from the Black Knight satellite, which they apostatize orbits the Earth for the sole purpose of collecting data on human progress. Uh, some believe it was placed into orbit thousands of years ago. 13,000 years ago, to be exact. Uh, this would put it being placed into orbit around the Neolithic era, which we think could be around the time of the great uh, biblical flood. And there were other radio anomalies detected after Tesla. Uh, in 1927, an engineer in Norway named Morgan Alves uh, thought he had intercepted a transmission that he called long delay echoes and that they were from an unknown origin. A signal would be received, and then a second repeated signal would be received a few seconds later. And like you had mentioned earlier, Lori, uh, the time delay was different from what he calculated it should have been if they were just long waves bouncing off of the ionosphere. How couldn't explain it, although today we know of some naturally repeating radio sources in interstellar space called pulsars. Now, these are neutron stars that rotate very rapidly and emit a rhythmic signal. Uh, they were first discovered in 1967 by Irish astrophysicists Josso and Bell Burnell. And there is one in the constellation Pictor that is uh, actually very close to Earth, about 391 light years away. And some believe that it was radio signals from this star that Tesla and others were picking up with their you know, very cumbersome and bulky vacuum tube radio sets back then. So their assessments that they were hearing something not from Earth would have been correct. They just weren't aware of the existence of pulsars out in space at that time. So it's hard to say what exactly Tesla heard since he had no way to record it. Uh, but he truly believed that it was an intelligent being trying to establish communication with him. Uh, remember, Tesla was considered to be a genius. Uh, very few people uh, knew as much as he did about concepts like you know, voltage induction, electromagnetic dynamics, and wave modulation. Uh, he was said to be able to solve mathematical equations in his dreams while he slept. So it's hard to uh, imagine that he wouldn't recognize 
as something as otherworldly and intelligent from something that is otherworldly and basically just meaningless background noise, which is really what pulsar signals are. So uh, I'm thinking what he heard really stuck out as being very significant to him. And that is a, a sound argument to be made. Uh, even without knowing about the existence of pulsars, uh, it's likely that Tesla, uh, Tesla had heard weird sounds on his radio receiver many times before. Um, something about this one definitely caught his attention while the other ones did not. So, you know, talking about the Black Knight reminds me of what we discussed a few months ago about the uh, Moamoa asteroid, which was a cylindrically shaped object observed in 2017 to have passed through our solar system from interstellar space. It seemed to have be, uh, to behave in a way that was unusual for asteroids or comets, and that led some to think that it was an alien spacecraft, or at least part of an alien spacecraft. Yeah, I remember that. I, I truly enjoyed that episode. Uh, the, the thing seemed to accelerate on its own as it left the solar system, and uh, this made us wonder if it wasn't some kind of space probe sent out from an extraterrestrial civilization way out there, possibly from the uh, constellation Lyra as that is where it is said to have originated uh, in the hopes of it being intercepted by another race of beings, and that being us, namely us. So uh, this idea is comparable to how we sent Pioneer 10 and 11, as well as Voyager 1 and 2 beyond the outer rim of our solar system in the hopes that it will be picked up by intelligent uh, race of beings someday. So, uh, do you recall those gold disks that they, that, uh, they attach uh, to them that contain the information about our world and our species or something like that? Oh, yeah. And even well, one of them had a greeting from then U.S. President Jimmy Carter and then U.N. Secretary General Kurt Waldheim, uh, you know, so as to bore the aliens to death with human political speeches. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, you said that some ufologists and conspiracy theorists think that the BKS was put into orbit 13,000 years ago. Uh, this means that they believe it has been orbiting the Earth since the dawn of time, uh, the dawn of humanity. Uh, this, of course, falls right in line with the ancient astronaut theory, but there is not really anything in the mythological tradition about it. I mean, sure, you do have the idea of the gods being ever-present up in the heavens. Uh, you do have Jesus saying in Matthew 10, 29, that not a sparrow falls to the ground without the Father knowing about it. Yet the suggested image of a black knight kind of satellite isn't found and indeed it seems that the notion of the black knight satellite being up there for thousands of years even up to thirteen thousand years ago is based on what scottish astronomer duncan lunans came up with back in 1973 yeah that was according to a 2011 interview with michael collins of winter wind productions where Noonan is said to have decoded the long-delayed echoes from Hal's radio analysis 45 years prior in which he believed that a message was embedded within the pattern of time differences, which he thought equated to it giving an origin of the signal, that being the 13,000 years ago from a space probe sent from a planet within the star system Ypsilon Bootes. Uh, but this idea of the Black Knight satellite conspiracy gained traction as far back as the 1950s, as we discussed earlier, when uh, the United States and the Soviet Union are said to have had discovered a mysterious object flying overhead, and neither country claimed it as theirs. Now, in a newspaper article in the San Francisco Examiner, which was dated way back in May 14th of 1954, uh, it said, 
Tonight, the Earth is being circled by one or two artificial satellites. So my question is, why was a newspaper talking about a satellite circling the Earth well before the first satellite on record was even launched? Right. That would have been you know, three years before Sputnik 1 and 2 were launched by the Russians. Uh, before this time, the word satellite really had no significance to most people. So now the uh, St. Louis Post-Dispatch carried the, the same story on that date. And it almost seems anachronistic, like it's uh, out of place for its time. Really, back in the early and mid-50s, unless you were actually part of any research and development for aerospace technology, a satellite was something that you thought of was from a science fiction story. So for this newspaper to carry a headline like this seems almost like it was a leak of classified information. Uh, it, it, it Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Could it be that the government knew something then about the operational capabilities of satellites from some unknown information? Uh, perhaps our modern day ideas about satellites originated from what may uh, have been found out about this ancient satellite. And NASA, like any government agency, will quickly advise you of any lie possible in order to satisfy public inquiries. And, and the public is often, is often uh, gullible at times and prone to accepting it as the truth or inclined to accept it as truth. Oh, it must be true because NASA said it was and thus, you know, people believe it. Well, I guess that's because, you know, generally speaking, people have confidence in institutions like NASA and the Air Force and the CIA. They are the authorities on these kinds of matters. And when they give plausible explanations, the public tends to accept them. So the question we have to ask is, uh, is it impossible for the Black Knight satellite to exist? And the answer would have to be a big no. Uh, impossible is a bold word to use in this reference, uh, things about uh, um, the cosmos, because it's a statement of absolute, meaning it cannot happen or it cannot be. So these are statements of absolutes. So why would someone claim it is impossible to exist if they have never seen it? Now, of course, there are some folks who think there are absolutely no such things as aliens, uh, but given the vastness of our galaxy alone, I think it would be impossible <laughs> for them to be absolutely correct about that. <laughs> well, right. It is very hard to prove the non-existence of something, as there is always ad hoc explanations. I think with this, we must ask if there is compelling evidence to believe that there is a Black Knight satellite. I would say there isn't any more compelling evidence to believe there is a God. Uh, many people believe and accept ideas without doubt, especially when an uh, authoritative body like the church or the government. So when NASA denies some things, it raises the question of whether or not there is proof that shows mm, without question that isn't there. If, if that's the case, then what is the proof? Otherwise, it, it could be there. Yeah, and that goes along with the idea of the burden of proof. Uh, in applying logic to methods, we don't deny that something isn't real. We merely provide proof that is sufficient or we fail to provide it. It is important to remember the analogy of uh, Russell's teapot. Uh, oddly enough, Bertrand Russell used the argumentum ad ignorantium illustration of a teapot in orbit between the Earth and Mars that was too small to be seen by any telescopes. You know, it's almost like he was thinking about the uh, BKS when he came up with this. <laughs> um, anyway, he said no one should be expected to believe it exists 
based solely on the assertion that it can't be proven wrong because the teapot is too small to be detected in any way. Um, so this leaves us in a sort of agnostic you know, land of Oz where we don't deny things. We just let the amount of evidence speak for itself. Establishing truth is a rigorous and arduous process that seeks uh, to reach a high standard. And it is often not met, which is why there are so many mysteries that are unsolved and tales that are never verified. And it's why law, natural law, scientific law, societal law, any type of law, is usually so firmly upheld and indisputable. You know, how many times, Lori, have you and I investigated cases where we don't know for certain what actually happened? We know something happened. Uh, we know something could be true, but we can't prove either side of the story as to say what did happen. Sure. And it all comes down to what we can prove. Yet we walk away from those cases knowing that there are possibilities of what may have happened. So you're right. We often don't find a smoking gun piece of evidence. And in this matter, we know that the Black Knight could exist and it may be orbiting Earth right now. Um, the moon is our satellite. The question is, is it a natural one or is it artificial? We looked at that in one of our first episodes about how the moon, uh, while seeming natural, has a uh, quite a few unexplained peculiarities about it. Like, like you said, the proof of something being true is a very high standard in matters of law, whether they be laws of physics or laws of society. So for all we know, the possibility exists that the Black Knight satellite was put into orbit by advanced extraterrestrials, possibly even the Anunnaki, in order to keep a close eye on us as uh, as a developing species. Or perhaps it did for a period of time and then went inactive, uh, you know, much like how our space probes do after so many years. And they didn't they just drift and along into space and then do nothing. Um, we can submit the possibility that if the BKS is such a type of alien craft unoccupied by any life form, then maybe those pulsating signals heard by Tesla and Halls during the early part of last century were its final transmissions. Was it something fully operational during our ancient and medieval times when people wouldn't have even had a clue about things like radio waves and orbiting satellites? Yeah, maybe it was busy doing surveillance on us, say, throughout the rise and fall of the Roman Empire and the Crusades, like you said, uh, during times when we had no way of seeing it way up there or by picking radio signals from it. I mean, if it is thought to have been up there for 13,000 years, then it was watching a lot of stuff going on up until now when it finally went silent. If that's so, then we wonder if another one isn't on its way. Well, I, I do find it perplexing that NORAD or the SETI Institute, for that matter, you know, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, hasn't picked up anything from it in its orbit around Earth. At least they, they haven't said that they have. Um, I guess it could be that uh, by the time that these organizational programs were set up, you know, that being SETI and, and NORAD, um, NASA, um, which was in the 60s and 70s, that the BKS had already gone dead with no more functioning transmitters to give off any signals. But that really seems like a lot of sheer speculation, you know, for it to conveniently go dead right around the same time that you know, we are able to acquire the electronic technology to detect and analyze its signals. Yeah, good point. Um, I mean, just think about how many satellites we now have in space, especially since Elon Musk 
uh, launched a slew of them about a year or so ago. Uh, there's been a ton of stuff sent up there over the last few decades, and a good portion of it has become useless junk floating around. If the uh, Black Knight satellite is now just one of those things up there, I guess it would have to be the the, the first and oldest one of them, I guess. Um, and then we have China in 2020, uh, as found in an article by astronomy.com dated October 22nd of 2018, um, that was supposed to, I'm not sure if they did or not, uh, launch their own artificial moon or otherwise called an uh, uh, illumination satellite uh, to help ease or to help do away with the costs and electrical power from using streetlights. It's supposed to orbit around the city of Chengdu and illuminate it with, uh, with light from the moon, but would be eight times brighter than the moon. Uh, the Chinese government says that three more satellites are scheduled to be launched this year in 2022. Um, and, and they will orbit at approximately 300 miles up and use a mirror-like coating to reflect moonlight down on the ground. But wouldn't they have to be in geosynchronous orbit so as to remain in a fixed position in the sky? Uh, the level for that is about 22,000 miles up as well as being over the equator. And that is where the, uh, the time it takes for a satellite to complete an orbit is 24 hours. So that it moves at the same rate as the Earth rotates and seems to remain in the same position in the sky all the time. And at 300 miles, they would be traveling uh, much faster and wouldn't stay above the city. Well, from what I understand, they're not supposed to stay fixed in the sky, but instead be able to move around. Um, they would glow in conjunction with the moon, just reflecting its light, and their position and brightness could be changed, even turned off. Well, that makes me think it would be something like a, a night sun spotlight that you find on a police helicopter that can be controlled to go to different places as needed. Yeah, and they're saying it can be used in disaster relief by providing light to areas that have lost power. So you see, this is only the beginning of our ingenuity, and one day, uh, we'll discover a future planet out there and we'll place our very own artificial satellite, uh, our own, you know, uh, Black Knight satellite even, um, uh, uh, in orbit around, around that planet to either stabilize it, um, uh, to assist with making the environment suitable for humans, and even possibly spy on the indigenous life forms residing on it, much like our moon and the, uh, and the Black Knight sat uh, satellite right now. Um, so going back to what I said about a mirror-like coating used to reflect moonlight, it reminds me of the pyramids of Giza and how they were made with an outer structure of limestone blocks. So we have to ask, what was the purpose of that? Like, how were they even able to even accomplish it? Like, could it have been done so as to reflect sunlight and be seen from space to help lead the way from the heavens? Like some sort of marker beacon? <laughs> Yeah, really. And that leads us to, to the topic for next time, the Egyptian pyramids and their possible extraterrestrial connections. And if you're wondering if there are such extraterrestrial connections with the pyramids, well, we'll just say that the majority of people do seem to think so. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, there probably isn't an ancient structure that is more thought of as being of alien origin than the iconic Giza pyramids of Egypt. Uh, there are a lot of strange and mysterious things about them, much of which we still don't fully understand. So 
for the next episode, um, we're going to tackle that subject and we'll cover what makes the pyramids so uniquely fascinating and so uniquely otherworldly. Right. And next weekend is Mother's Day. Uh, Of course, we don't have a show scheduled. That will be for the weekend after. But we definitely want to wish a happy and nice day for all the moms out there, especially ours. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And especially our wives, Joe. You cannot forget about the wives, dude. (laughs) We cannot. Yes. Especially we want to wish a happy Mother's Day to our wives. Uh, That goes for everybody out there. Do something thoughtful for your moms and wives. and also ask them to listen to our podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, and give us your feedback on uh, social media. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Yeah, we, we certainly would. So again, thank you all for your support of the program this year. Uh, thank you for joining our discussion today. We hope you enjoyed it. And we look forward to being with you next time here on Alien Talk Podcast. Until then, stay curious. Bye, everyone. Have a good week. Be safe and happy Mother's Day to all moms and moms to be. Take care now.